Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through 15. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Hey everybody, good morning and uh, welcome to Christ Community Chapel. So, so glad that you are here. Uh, welcome those of you at our East service, those of you tuning in online. Uh, welcome. Uh, there's a phenomenon uh, called the butterfly effect. It was kind of made popular by time travel movies. And the idea is that something as small as the flap of a butterfly's wing, under the right circumstances, can actually change the world, can become a mighty wind. I feel like from this moment until Christmas, our church gets involved with, what, with the butterfly effect. And it starts uh, with these. Uh, this is what we call a Thanksgiving basket. This is a tote. You'll see them out there in the atrium over in the children's wing. And what we do is you grab one of these totes, there's a, a shopping list in the bottom, and you fill this with a Thanksgiving feast, enough to feed 10 people. And then we uh, take this uh, to a home that might otherwise not be able to have a Thanksgiving meal. We knock on the door, and we're able to say to them, so we just want you to know that God sees you. God has not forgotten you because he sent us. So happy Thanksgiving, and we give them a Thanksgiving feast. Uh, it's an amazing experience. When we first started doing it, we did 42. 42 times we knocked on doors. This year we want to do 1,600, all right? So we need you, everybody. And what we want to do is, that, listen, it can change the world. It can change the world for that person. And that's what we want to do all over this area. So on your way out uh, today, grab uh, one of these totes. Uh, participate in this, uh, bring it back when you're supposed to bring it back, and uh, let us uh, knock on 1,600 doors uh, and maybe impact as many as 16,000 people this Thanksgiving. All right? I love this time of year. 
And I love the way you guys uh, respond to this. All right. Uh, We have three huge goals here at CCC that we want to accomplish by the year 2050. And one of them is to, uh, to plant 60 churches in Northeast Ohio so that every neighborhood has a place to go to hear about Jesus. And I want to take just a couple of minutes and introduce you to our most recent uh, church planting resident, Mario Hauser. Mario, come on up. All right. Uh, Mario will be planting our ninth uh, church plant here in Northeast Ohio. And uh, I, we're going to show his family on the screen. And I just want to have you start by uh, introducing your family and then telling all of us why you are so passionate about church planting. Thank you, Pastor. Good morning, everyone. So, yeah, my family, uh, that's my, my beautiful wife, Courtney, who is here with me this morning. Um, that's our, our middle son, or in the middle is our son, uh, Josiah, the, the six-year-old who literally runs the house. Um, on the, the left there, that's my oldest daughter, Faith, and on the right is my youngest daughter, Taylor. Um, and, and as it relates to, you know, why we're so passionate about church planning, we, we're, we're passionate about the community of Garfield Heights, and, and we believe that the Lord has called us there um, to help people heal through Christ and community, um, and also just helping people heal um, and, and, and to see the gospel in a, in a whole new relevant way. So we believe that the Lord has called us to that area to achieve just that. And what will be unique about, it's called the Village Church in Garfield Heights, what will be unique about uh, the Village Church? Yeah, so, so the Village Church, one of the things that we really have the ability to do that, that the Lord has blessed us with is to help people um, see, see uh, Christ by bridging the gap between mental health and, and, and the gospel. And so we believe you can have Jesus and a therapist as well, right? You can have Jesus and a therapist too. So, so we believe by bridging that gap, we're able to, to allow people to, just, to renew their minds and have a brand new walk and to see the Lord in a whole different way. And how can we best be praying for you? Great question. And I think there, there are two major, two major ways that um, you can be praying for us. One, uh, we're in need of a space. We need a, we need a venue where we can gather and we can worship as we grow closer and closer to launch. Um, and I think the next, the next uh, way that you can help is and, and pray is for more volunteers, more people on our launch team as we get ready to, to really tackle what we want to do um, in the name of the Lord. Okay. All right, uh, I'm going to go ahead and pray for Mario now. So if you'd bow your heads and pray with me. Uh, Father in heaven, uh, thank you for uh, Mario and for Courtney and for calling them uh, to plant a church in Garfield Heights. Lord, our prayer is uh, for a space uh, for them. I pray that you would uh, gather uh, leaders uh, to them. And I, our prayer, too, is that uh, it would become uh, a light in the midst of Garfield Heights where hurting people can go and find healing in you. So I pray that you would protect them, use them, strengthen him, give him endurance and all that he needs uh, to do what you've called him to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thanks, Mario. Thank you. All right. Um, We are continuing our series in the book of Galatians. We've made it to Galatians chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, would you go ahead and turn to Galatians chapter 5? If you're going to use one of our Bibles uh, here in the sanctuary, in the pew, in the sanctuary or over in East Hall, the back of East Hall, then it's on page 915, page 915. If you were listening uh, to those 15 verses that were read, you realize that uh, what Paul is talking about now is freedom. 
He says this in verse 1. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. You know, I was thinking about that. It's interesting. Um, most people don't associate Christianity with freedom. Uh, it's not one of the, freedom is not one of the ways we market Christianity. Uh, when I was in high school, I had a, a friend named Jake. We played basketball together. He was a great basketball player, really nice guy. I love Jake. Uh, but Jake was probably the wildest, most profligate sinner I knew in high school. If it was out there, Jake would do it. Uh, and if, it never occurred to me to go to Jake and talk about how Jesus could set him free. Like if I went to Jake and I said, Jake, you should become a Christian. And he said, well, Joe, why should I become a Christian? And if I said, because Jesus can set you free. I think Jake would have said, Joe, if I become a Christian, don't I have to stop doing a lot of the stuff I'm doing? I mean, don't I have to stop partying, stop sleeping with my girlfriend, stop doing all that stuff? It seems like I'm free now. And what you're talking about is the opposite of freedom. Point taken, right? But when Jesus came, Jesus came talking about freedom from the get-go. In Luke chapter 4, when Jesus is just starting his public ministry, he walks into a synagogue. He asks for a scroll. He unrolls it to Isaiah chapter 61, and this is what he reads. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty, freedom to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Later on in the Gospel of John, when Jesus is talking to some religious leaders about freedom, Jesus says, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. And then here, Paul says, it is for freedom that Christ sets you free. It seems like freedom is exactly what it means to be a Christian. So what is it exactly is Paul talking about? Okay, here are the three points uh, that I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about what freedom isn't, what freedom is, and how we live truly free. What freedom isn't, what freedom is, and how to live truly free. First, what freedom isn't. Uh, Martin Luther, the great reformer, said that uh, you can miss truth in two, two ways. He would say uh, missing truth is a little bit like a drunk man getting on a horse. First you fall this way and you miss it that way, and then you fall this way and you miss it that way. Uh, there are two ways for us to miss freedom. One is a secular way and the other is a religious way. First, the secular way. Uh, that's really my friend Jake. It's to think that freedom is to be without limit, to do whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it. And there are a few problems with that. Uh, the main problem is if you just take a minute and try to, to picture somebody who has tried to live their life like that, with limitless freedom, to just, they just do whatever they want to do whenever they want to do it. And if you can picture somebody like that, whether it's a celebrity or a rock star or anybody, their life is usually a train wreck. Right? It's one rehab after another rehab. Robert Downey Jr., Johnny Depp, right? Keith Richards, holy cow. Right? There's 
all kinds of problems. Listen, if you are new to our church or new to Christianity, uh, we uh, talk about some words that you may or may not understand. Uh, Two of the big words that you will hear us talk about are sin and salvation. One of the easiest ways to understand sin, according to the Bible, is sin is slavery and salvation is freedom. Sin is slavery and salvation is freedom, right? And what happens in this situation is when you sin, one of, the, one of the problems with limitless freedom is that sin is always addictive by nature. It's easiest to see with something like narcotics or alcohol or porn or sex, but pick any sin. Pick your favorite sin, whether it's gossip or greed or being judgmental or whatever it is. Sin is always addictive. It always promises more than it gives. There is no limitless freedom. I remember uh, in psychology class way back in college reading about uh, what educators and sociologists tried to do at the end of the 1960s, beginning of the early 70s. Uh, They decided they would remove fences from playgrounds at elementary schools because they wanted kids to experience freedom. What they found were the kids, instead of experiencing freedom, they all huddled in the middle of the playground. And the reason is because even children understand the innate danger of having no limits. That's not really freedom. All right, that's the way to miss it in a secular way, but there's a way to miss it in a religious way, and that's actually what Paul is talking about in Galatians chapter 5. Paul says, it was for freedom that Christ set you free. Don't submit to a yoke of slavery. Again, then he talks about rules. Like limitless is not having any rules. It seems like you can miss it in a religious way by having too many rules. Actually, it's not having too many rules. It's, it's, it's calling them rules. Let me give you an example. Um, I'm a person of routine. Uh, that's kind of an understatement, but... Uh, I get up in the morning, I do the same thing every morning. Get up, go downstairs, turn the coffee pot on. And then uh, I do some stuff while the coffee is brewing. And then uh, I sit down and I have my time with God. And at 6 o'clock, I mean, I get up very early. At 6 o'clock, I uh, pour my wife a cup of coffee in her special cup. She's got this special cup now. It's called an ember cup. It magically keeps the coffee hot. And that's kind of beside the point. Right, but I fill up that cup and I take it up to her nightstand and I place it on her nightstand. And sometimes she's awake and sometimes she's still catching the last bit of sleep uh, in the early morning. And if you were to ask me, Joe, why do you do that? And I say, well, I I take her coffee in the morning because it's one of the rules I have to obey to be Karen's husband. My guess is you'd be surprised. It would, it would do a few things. One, it'd give you an impression of Karen. Uh, it would also make you maybe feel sorry for me. But you would know that taking her coffee in that way as a rule to obey was not what it should be, not what it could be, right? Taking Karen coffee shouldn't be a rule. It should be a response, Right? And what Paul is saying is it matters why you do what you do. It matters. I mean, listen, if I take Karen coffee in the morning, it can be a sign of affection and love. 
or it can be a sign of slavery. The exact same thing, right? And this is what Paul is saying here. And what he's saying is what, why you do what you do can make all the difference in the world. It needs to be a response of love. That's why Paul connects freedom with love in verse 13. He says this, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Freedom, true freedom, has to be compatible with love. All right, so that brings me to my second point, what freedom is, what freedom is. Uh, I remember a professor uh, starting a lecture with a question. It was a great question. Uh, He said, uh, when is a fish free to be a fish? That was his question. When is a fish free to be a fish? You know, I love um, props, right? My all-time favorite prop that I've used in this church, and some of you were here when I used it, uh, was when I had a, a bowl uh, here with a goldfish, a live goldfish. And I, I got the goldfish out and put him on a plate. Call him a him. I don't know if he was a him. Call him out, I put him on a plate. And then I talked while the fish was on the plate, just kind of going, right? And you guys, I was looking at your faces. You guys didn't hear a thing I was saying. You're just looking at the fish. Right? It was a great illustration. It was just too much for you guys. Too much. <laughs> but the illustration was just what my professor asked. When is a fish free to be a fish? A fish is only free to be a fish when it's in the water. When it's in the environment for which it was created. So the real question for a human being is, what's the environment for which a human being was What's the environment for which you were created? Unless you know that, you can never be free. And to really know that, you have to go all the way back to Genesis. Right? God creates all that is. And in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, he finally creates Adam and Eve, and he rests them in the Garden of Eden. Whenever Pastor Zach talks about Adam and Eve going into the Garden, whenever Jim College talks about Adam and Eve going into the Garden, they always say the same thing, that God rests them in the Garden, because that's what the Hebrew says, and I love that. Right? So God rests them in the Garden of Eden. And then at the end of all of creation, it says that God looks over all that he made, including Adam and Eve, and he says this, this is very good. This is very good. I want you to imagine what it would be like for God to look at you and say, you are exactly what I wanted. You are very good. And so Adam and Eve felt the delight of God. And then Adam and Eve also, in response to that, they trusted God at least for a while because God took a tree and he put it right in the middle of the garden. He gave them dozens of fruit trees that were theirs. One tree he puts in the middle and says, this is my tree. Don't eat of my tree. And for every day, we don't know how long it lasted, every day they didn't eat of the tree, they were expressing trust of God. They were feeling the delight of God, and in response, they were trusting God, and that was the environment for which they were created, and for that time, they were free. And then they sinned, and we don't see another free, truly free person until we see Jesus. 
And Jesus, well, you talk to anybody, they don't even need to be a Christian. Everybody thinks of Jesus as the prototype of what a human being should be, could be. Right? He was known for his wisdom, his gentleness, compassion, maybe most of all for his love. And Jesus lived right in the midst of that. You know, uh, Paul the Apostle would call Jesus uh, the second Adam, that he was like Adam, but he had never sinned, which means he was in the environment for which he was created. Right? Every time God would speak out loud, he spoke three times out loud in the New Testament about Jesus so that everybody could hear. Each time he said almost the same thing. He said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. This is my son whom I love. Jesus right smack dab in the middle of the delight of God. And in response, Jesus trusted God the Father. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus says, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. He ends by saying, yet not my will, but thine be done. Jesus trusted God the Father. He had the delight of God the Father. He trusted God the Father. He lived in that environment for which he was created. He was truly free. Listen, if you want to know what freedom looks like, don't look at Hollywood. And don't look at the super religious person who's always a little bit grumpy. Right? Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. All right, and that brings me to my third point, which is how can we live truly free? Well, somehow we have to get back to the environment for which we were created. If my premise is true, if a fish is only free when it's in the environment for which it was created, and a human being can only be free in the environment for which it was created, somehow we have to get back to that environment where we are the delight of God and we trust God. And what's interesting, when you read the book of Galatians, is Galatians is all about righteousness. How do you get into a right relationship with God? And what Paul, the apostle, says is you cannot get into a right relationship with God. You cannot achieve righteousness by yourself, by what you do. You can only achieve righteousness, a right standing with God, by trusting in what Jesus has done for you. That Jesus, through his life, death, and resurrection, offers you his righteousness, his right standing with God. When Zach preached about this a few weeks ago, uh, he used the word image of God looking at you and smiling. Looking at you and smiling. You know, there's a, a blessing in the Old Testament that's been bouncing around in my head. It's called Aaron's benediction. And it goes like this. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance and give you peace. The reason it's been bouncing around in my head is that I read a commentator who said that in the Hebrew, when it says, may the Lord bless you and keep you, may the Lord make his face to shine upon you, that that phrase, this commentator said, the best way to translate that into English is to say, may God's face light up when he looks at you. 
There's hardly anything better than walking into a room and seeing someone recognize you and have their face light up. And he says, may God's face light up and be gracious unto you. What Paul says is the only way we experience that is through the grace of the gospel. That because of what Jesus has done on the cross, that when God looks at you, he sees that righteousness. Jesus, in John chapter 17, prays something that is just breathtaking. He's just about to go to the cross. And this is what he prays. He says to God the Father, he's talking about uh, people who are going to be his followers, talking about you if you're a follower of Jesus, talking about me. He says this, may you love them with the same love with which you love me. May you love them with the same love with which you love me. You know what that means? That means if God was going to speak out loud about you so that everybody could hear, he would say, this is my son. This is my daughter, whom I love that you can exist right in the midst of the delight of God the Father because of what Jesus has done for you. And then in turn, what Paul will say, because God has done that through Jesus, you can trust him, no matter what you're going through right now, in big things and small things, because God has already proven his love for you through Jesus. That's what Paul says in Romans chapter 8. You know, where he says, God, who did not spare his own son, but gave him for us, will he not also with him freely give us all things? That's Paul saying, you can trust him. So if it's true that what Jesus came to do was to set you free, this is what he came to do, to put you back in the environment for which you were created. All right, let me give you two different kind of triggers, and one thing to remind yourself of uh, as you go out from here. The two triggers, this is what I've been using in my life the last week. There were two, at least two things that did not exist in the Garden of Eden before sin entered into the world. One was shame, and there was pride. Shame and pride did not exist. So this is what I started doing. Anytime I start to experience shame, when I feel shame in my soul, I know I'm, I'm falling toward a limitless kind of freedom. I am losing freedom through a particular kind of sin. Anytime I begin to experience pride, when I become, and this is probably more common for me, when I become uh, critical of other people, it's amazing how critical I can become of people how I can see faults in them, look down on them, right? Anytime I do that, I'm trying to justify myself, I'm losing freedom. Those are the two triggers. But the thing that you do, that I've started to do, is that every time I experience either one of those, it's a a trigger to go to Jesus, right? tomorrow, Tomorrow morning, this is what I want you to do. I should wake up tomorrow morning, do your routine, whatever it is, with coffee, Don't ask me about an ember cup. Like, people come up, what's an ember cup? No, don't do that. But when you get up tomorrow morning, this is what I want you to do. 
want you to sit down and I want you to take the time to remind yourself that because of Jesus, God delights in you. I want you to feel what that feels like. To say, God, because of Jesus, I know you love me with the same intensity that you loved him. Let me feel that love. And then I want you to tell God, because of Jesus and what you did through Jesus, I trust you. I will trust you today in big things and small things. And when you do that, what you're doing is at least you're starting the day in the environment for which you were created. And then you can live free. It's for freedom that Christ has set you free. So be free. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, I come to you and I am so, so grateful. I'm grateful that when we rebelled against you and went into slavery, that you did not just leave us there, but that you came after us, that you sent Jesus. And that Jesus, by living in our place and dying in our place and resurrecting, was uh, able to provide a way back to the environment for which we were created. I pray for every person here. I pray that you would remind us constantly of your great love for us, that you delight in us because of Jesus. And because of Jesus, we can trust you. Help us to live free because it's for freedom that Christ came to set us free. Thanks. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.